2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field to talk Packers-Cowboys. It will be the NFC wildcard playoff from AT&T Stadium Sunday. It's a 3.30 Central Time kickoff. And, Wes, you look at this Cowboys team in 2023, 12-5. They win the NFC East Championship and everybody talking, of course, about that 8-0 record at home. They've actually won 16 straight home games now. Their last loss at AT&T Stadium was in week one of last season to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, Dak Prescott having, I guess, what would amount to a career year for him. Uh, he's the one. He's the guy that makes this engine go for Dallas.
1: Yeah, I wrote in our insider inbox column. I mean, he is at the peak of his powers right now. I think you're seeing a guy that for a number of years showed a lot of promise obviously was a franchise quarterback a starting level quarterback but this year leading the National Football League in 36 touchdown passes thrown 4500 yards passing and his utilization of all those weapons around him I think has really been a difference maker Dallas, pound for pound, is one of the most complete football teams in this playoff. I mean, when you look at what they can do to you schematically with their receivers, Tony Pollard is a very underrated running back. I felt like he had been that way for a number of years now. And as the Cowboys always do, the years change, but their offensive line has always been stout. In my opinion, a future Hall of Famer and Zach Martin there at right guard. So many things to like about Dallas, but... At the controls is Dak Prescott, and he's getting the most out of that unit.
2: Yeah, you mentioned leading the NFL in touchdown passes with 36. That's actually the second highest total in his career. He had 37 one other season. He has a 105.9 passer rating, which is a career high for him. And with those weapons, um, it starts with C.D. Lamb, 135 catches, 1,749 yards, 12 touchdowns. And then the number two guy is the state of Wisconsin's most famous grandson, Jake <laughs> Ferguson, with 71 catches, 761 yards, five touchdowns. Those two combined for 2,500 of Zach Prescott's 4,500 passing yards and 17 of his 36 passing touchdowns. And I don't want to take anything away from Ferguson but when you watch the Dallas Cowboys and the big highlights, it's C.D. Lamb. This is the this is the explosive weapon. This is the guy that changes games, changes field position, puts points on the board from anywhere on the field. And uh, and it's going to be really really interesting to see. You had mentioned on our last show, Jair Alexander coming back from the suspension seemed like his shoulder was healthy the way he was flying around on defense. Um, this is the kind of matchup. That Jair Alexander lives for, and you got to believe that he's going to get a healthy dose of CD Lamb on Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, I think the word I've been using all week, or the phrase I've been using, is as much as schematically possible yeah. <laughs> for him to, to be lining up against Lamb. I, I think, in a lot of ways, Chicago was a good preparation matchup opponent for Green Bay because. Dallas is deeper, but, again, much like D.J. Moore and the Bears, everything runs through Lamb. I mean, you just don't roll out of bed and wake up and have 135 catches, (laughs) 1,700 receiving yards, and double-digit touchdowns. Right, The guy does it in all different kinds of capacities, and he can make every catch. He can run every route on the tree. And the bond that he's developed over the last three years with Dak Prescott is outer-worldly, and everything else builds off of that. I think you touched on Jake Ferguson – you know just a blue collar ready-made Wisconsin football player that has gotten to Dallas and has taken his game to another level and has been able to sustain it.
2: Guy can work the middle of the field and move the chains like he's 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 not Travis Kelsey or George Kittle but he's getting there. He gives them what
1: they need and Dalton Schultz was the guy there for years and they've had a lot of name brand tight ends but I think over the last you know two seasons we've seen this this kind of morphing of the passing game and how Ferguson has sort of turned into one of those go-tos for them. Michael Gallup has dealt with some injuries in the past, has had some things, but is dangerous. Brandon Cooks is a guy that has done it at such a high level. The list goes on and on and on with this Dallas passing game, and because there is so much variance there, I think it's allowed Mike McCarthy to really open this thing up. With him taking back the play calling this year, there has been no no pullback. I mean, they are fifth right now in total offensive yards. They are the highest scoring offense in the National Football League, almost 550 points scored this year. It is not an easy equation to solve, especially – inside that stadium but Mike getting back to the original premise of your question in these moments you want your best on their best yeah and to me Jair Alexander is still very much the best
2: yeah when you when as you said you look at the whole picture of this Dallas offense like oh by the way Tony Pollard has a thousand rushing yards and six touchdowns and I know a thousand yards maybe isn't what it was before now that there are 17 games in the regular season et cetera, but when the NFL is the passing league that it is, it still means something for a running back to get to 1,000 yards. And, and Pollard has done that on a team that, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, there's only one football and there's a bunch of guys that, uh, that crave that ball. And the other thing statistically I'll mention too that stands out to me about this Dallas offense, and I, I mentioned this, I believe, in uh, one of the earlier insider inbox columns this week the Cowboys scored 509 points this year, 296. So, if you want to go round numbers, 300 out of 500 points in the first half. Yeah. These guys, these guys will jump on you and make you play from behind. That's what they like to do, especially at home. When you look at the scores of their home games at AT and T Stadium.
1: Well, and, and just to quickly mention that piece on Pollard there, because you're right, a thousand rushing yards. This offense is different though than it was in the early days of Dak when it was the when it was Zeke, Zeke Elliott. Show. Yeah, yeah. Pollard has a thousand rushing yards, Mike. As a team, they almost have two thousand though because of how they can use. A guy like C.D. Lamb in that because of some of the the multidimensionality of Dax Prescott's game. And that's what keeps the team honest. That's yeah. what allows you to open up some of those explosive opportunities. But Dan Quinn, and, and I'm sure we'll pivot here to the defense shortly, but Dan Quinn is one of the most brilliant, even-handed coordinators in the National Football League. And it's been that way for a decade. But the thing about it is, as Matt LaFleur talked about, based on their relationship in Atlanta, his defense has evolved. And, again, when you look at what Green Bay has done well this season defensively, it's been when they've been staked to a lead, and the defense can play with that. The defense can shut teams down when you get into the red zone. You You can kind of move your chess pieces a little bit more. Quinn is a master at that, and that's why, again, this McCarthy offense and Quinn defense, they've together have been able to play off each other really well this season.
2: Yeah, that's a good point you bring up about Green Bay's defense because when you look at the 2023 season, there were really only two games for me that come to mind where the Packers gave the the Packers gave their own defense a lead and it got away. And it was early in the season in Atlanta and then late in the season in Carolina. But otherwise, when the Packers have built a lead offensively, the Packers, uh, the Packers defense has come right along and been able to uh, been able to hold it in there.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three time NBA six man of the year, I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe will win a 1 on 1 contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going to guard and then on I'm top not of it. like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point game. I remember mean, you came in my room crying. tears. <laughs> crying, I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you. I said I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college cuz he didn't need it. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your
2: podcasts. With regard to Dallas's defense, the two guys, of course, that get a lot of attention, Micah Parsons, 14 sacks. Um, I believe Matt LaFleur called him a freak show yep. uh, yesterday <laughs> Accurate. Um, in his press conference. A guy who he lines up all over. He will rush the passer from anywhere. He's not a bad cover guy either when they decide to drop him into coverage, but he's so disruptive and so valuable as a pass rusher. He's almost always, you know, more more often than not certainly getting after the quarterback. And then the other guy is, you know, oh yeah, the Cowboys lose Trayvon Diggs, last year's you know league leader in interceptions, um, partway through the season. This year, they lose him for the rest of the year, and then all Deron Bland does is go out and get nine interceptions, set an NFL record with five of those returned for touchdowns this season. Parsons and Bland are the guys that uh, you have to know where they are on the field, and uh, those are the guys who are the the ultra ultra high impact guys on this Cowboys. Defense.
1: Well, and there's one guy who will not be overlooking him, and that's Rasheed Walker, who's <laughs> seen Micah Parsons. He spent that time with him at Penn State Absolutely. and had a lot of glowing things to say about him and the way the type of pro that he's developed into since he's gotten to Dallas. The the thing I love about Parsons is that it's it's that. He is the hybrid pass rusher. It was the way he was built coming out of school. He's going to be able to do everything for you. And again, I'm just going to read off these stats because they're incredible. He has 64 tackles. He has 33 quarterback hits, Fifth, 14 sacks, but 33. 33 quarterback hits. Some teams don't have 33 <laughs> quarterback hits for a season. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just a remarkable amount of output that he's had. Those sack yards totaling 115 tackles for loss, 18, and is also a forced to fumble. But to to, to look at what they do with him is the brilliance in that defense. The fact that you can't just pinpoint him to one spot. He's going to move around, and I think that makes the pass rushers around him even better. Uh, I have been so incredibly impressed by Duran Bland, though, because I'll tell you this, Michael, whether it's the the Al Harris effect, whatever it is, the ball-hawking abilities of these Dallas defensive backs over the last few years have just been extraordinary. In this day and age, now now quarterbacks are starting to lessen up a little bit. You're, you're seeing a few more interceptions than you did, per se, five years ago when Aaron Rodgers was sort of setting the standard of, hey, don't turn over the ball at all. Right. Guys are taking a few more chances, but it's still really rare to see a guy above that five-interception threshold. Bland met that just with the, the touchdowns to be <laughs> able to get to that plateau right. and then adding on the rest. This is a defense, and you made a great point when we did our three things video on Wednesday. Their offense protects the ball. The defense takes the ball away. That's the blueprint. That's, what's a, that's how you win football games in the National Football League, and it's something that Mike McCarthy and his team have done really well this season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, with, with regard to the three things video, I looked it up. The, the league low this year in giveaways on offense was 14. Amazingly, that was the Houston Texans with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. They, were the, they were the league low in 14 giveaways. The Cowboys only had 16. The Packers only had 18. So both the Cowboys and the Packers protected the football pretty well. From the Packers' point of view, when you look at this Cowboys' defense and the way they've taken it away, you cannot stress enough how how, how important it will be to protect the football. In this game. We don't talk much when we do these previews and looking at the opponent. We don't spend much time on the special teams on the other side. But there are a couple things that are worth mentioning here before we get to our keys to victory, yeah. which we will get to shortly. The Dallas Cowboys this year have blocked two punts. So the Packers need to be on their P's and Q's with regard to punt protection. And I don't need to remind anybody how punt protection the Packers' last appearance in the playoffs. We'll leave it at that. The other interesting thing with regard to the Cowboys' special teams is this rookie kicker, Brandon Aubrey. Yeah. He's a 28-year-old rookie. He was a soccer star at Notre Dame and then went into professional soccer. I think he
1: played the MLS, right?
2: Yeah, he played yeah. played professional soccer when he came out of yeah. Notre Dame. I think he came out of Notre Dame in like 2016 or something. As I said, he's 28 years old. He's a rookie in the NFL. He had gotten into football playing for the Birmingham squad in the USFL. Yep. The Cowboys found him, brought him in, and... Prior to last week against the Washington Commanders, he was 35 for 35 on field goals on the season. Last week he had one blocked, and then he also missed one that was actually under 40 yards. His first two field goal misses of the season, so he's, thir- he's 36 for 38. But this is a guy who has been... He has been a weapon and he has been a consistent producer for a Cowboys offense that, as you mentioned, is the highest scoring in the league this year.
1: So many points I want to make off of this. The first one is John Fossil, one of the best in the business when it comes to special teams. And I give so much credit to Jerry Jones, his personnel department, and Mike McCarthy. They thought outside the box this season because basically, Mike, they got torpedoed from the playoffs last year because of their kicking situation. And they had to find an answer for it. They waited. They waited a long time. They didn't go and sign a guy on the first day of free agency. They didn't bring in a veteran. They had had to think a little bit differently about how they wanted to approach this thing. And obviously that bet has paid off. And to see a guy like Aubrey come in and perform the way he has. Again, it shows you there are so many different ways to go about this thing. The Green Bay Packers, they have a punter too that came from the development leagues. yeah, And sometimes, especially at those specialist positions, Mike, there's only 32 of them. There aren't a lot of opportunities, especially now with the COVID phase kind of ending. There aren't a lot on the practice squads anymore. You have to earn a job to keep a job in this league. And obviously Aubrey has done that. I do need to quickly touch on to the Turpin kid, who I think also might've come from one of those development leagues too, if I remember correctly, their kickoff returner. He's only had 10 opportunities this year. He made a bunch of buzz during training camp because he's 5'9 and 150 pounds, right? but almost averaging 30 yards per kickoff as well. They play good special teams, and when Mike McCarthy went down there and he, he brought Fossil in as his special teams coordinator, they had that relationship already. I think you've seen that really grow and he, I think he saw some of the things that went wrong in Green Bay during his time here and I think he's kind of rectified them now that he's been in Dallas
2: yeah both both of these teams with a rookie kicker obviously the Packers Andres Carlson he's still working through some things trying to get to uh, a level of consistency that it appears Brandon Aubrey again 28 years old uh, found it right away um, when he came into the NFL and uh Special teams, one way or another, are going to be a factor in this game. Uh, It it certainly feels that way to me. I'll take care of sponsor business here, Wes, and then we'll get to our keys to victory. Um, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs... We have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, cousin subs. Fifty years of better. All right, keys to victory here, Wes. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start on this one and I'm gonna go back to I think I mentioned it on our last show. If I didn't, I know you and I talked about it perhaps with the microphones off, but I see this game as one the way with what the Cowboys have done all year on offense with where the Packers currently are on offense over these last couple months. I see this as a game where both offenses are going to be able to move the football. Yeah. And it just feels to me like this is a game that will be decided in the red zones. You have to be the better team offensively in the red zone. You have to be the better team defensively in the red zone. It's going to come down to who can finish drives, and whose defense might be able to stop a drive and force a field goal that is that difference of four points here four points there um on the scoreboard um i think this is a this this is a red zone you know do or die type of type of game
1: yeah and for me it it all goes back to the the original premise that we opened the show with and it's dak prescott it's pressuring him it's turning over the football. And it's being able to, to get those takeaways that maybe haven't always been there this season when playing the Dallas Cowboys. One interesting thing I've noticed with them, when you look at their season so far, 18 game, 17, 17 games over 18 weeks, only four times has he been held underneath a 90 passer rating. They've lost three of those. Uh, when, when you're able to get incompletions, when you're able to get them in third and longs, and obviously being able to get interceptions – That has been a huge key and catalyst to this thing. And the tangent that builds off of that is C.D. Lamb. Now, there isn't as many convenient stats with him. He's had big games where they've lost. He's had games where he hasn't really contributed that they've won. But if he goes off, Michael, the job for the Green Bay Packers gets exponentially more difficult. So containing those two, I think, is the biggest part. As you said, they're going to get yards. It's making sure that those yards don't turn into points. And in addition to the red zone, one of the best ways to do that is getting the football back in your quarterback's hands. Yeah, and
2: I think the other thing that goes along with that with regard to Prescott and Lamb in this offense is, uh, is the explosives because um, we talk all the time about how does a defense respond after it gives up an explosive play. They can be really hard to bounce back from. They are especially hard to bounce back from when you're on the road yep. when that explosive play happens and the crowd starts going crazy, and suddenly, it just feels like everything is against you, and all of that momentum, you know, uh, for the home team, is moving along, and it becomes very difficult to get stops. Trying to limit those explosive plays and make the Cowboys, you know, earn it by moving the chains down the field is going to give you more opportunities to get the stops that are going to force field goals, as opposed to giving them those uh, those opportunities to get into the end zone. I mentioned obviously the turnover thing already. Um, I I think I think this game also if if somebody commits a turnover one turnover in this game could be the difference um, and as I mentioned on our three things video the Packers kind of got away with being that one team last week that committed a turnover against yeah. the Bears that was the only turnover in the game the Packers were able to overcome it it's going to be a lot harder to overcome that type of mistake in this game
1: and and that's why it brings me to my last point here and that's just just play free. Um, don't play careless, but play free. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to use that expression about playing with house money, but you did sneak your way into the playoffs here. You are the seventh seed. Probably people are counting you out a little bit, especially considering you're playing Dallas on their turf. It's turf. Get your grammar right, Wes. The fact is, is that with the Green Bay Packers, when they get into that rhythm, we talk about the Dallas Cowboys putting up points early in the first half, when Green Bay puts up points early, when they can kind of get the snowball going a little bit. Yep. That, that's when this team is at its best. I really enjoyed what A.J. Dillon said at his locker when he was addressing the media on Wednesday. He said, hey, listen, we still have a goal of winning the Super Bowl. This wasn't just, hey, we made the playoffs, thanks, we'll see you later, you'll take your door prize and head home. Yeah. No, they, they have big goals, they have a mission, there's an idea in the back of their minds that we knew what this quarterback was and we knew what we could do this season right off the gate, even if others didn't. This is their opportunity now to go up against a Dallas team with the weight of the worlds on their shoulders, with the expectations on their shoulders, with some stuff in the media already about, hey, wh- what does this all mean for Mike McCarthy if they, you know if they go out early or how much they how far they make it? Green Bay is playing like a team that is the, the, the youngest in the National Football League, but not the sh- shortest on experience. They've gone through all these trials and tribulations now. Now it's up to see what all those games and all those moments can kind of do to push them now to towards something special
2: yeah I want to ask you one more question with regard to the quarterback situation we all know Jordan Love this will be his first his first official NFL playoff game I actually asked him if Aaron Rodgers had ever talked to him about his first playoff game which he said he didn't he didn't really know anything about it and I and you know which is fine I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna press him on it but for those who remember it of course, Aaron Rodgers threw an interception on his first playoff pass yeah. and then and then went on to put up 45 points, bringing the Packers back from 21 points down in Arizona in the second half to get that game to overtime and unfortunately ended up losing it um, on a rather controversial non-call. Anyway, I digress. My question to you with regard to the quarterback situation is with Prescott. Do you think he's going into this these playoffs? Not not just for the Cowboys and the franchise and everything there, but is Dak Prescott going into these playoffs personally with something to prove? He, I do. He has he has two playoff wins, I believe, in his career, but he has taken a lot of heat and a lot of criticism for the Cowboys' exits in the playoffs on his watch. Um it just it this this situation strikes me as as one where the Cowboys quarterback is the one with a massive chip on his shoulder yeah. coming into this game. No, no, no
1: doubt. And I, I actually kind of liken it, the more I've been reading and the more I've been listening to stuff out of Dallas this week, it almost in some ways does remind me of Matt Ryan in 2016, which could you know, be a positive for the Cowboys in the long run. Ryan was kind of at that point where it was like, okay, Atlanta's had some success, but are they really going to put something together Yeah, here? are
2: you going to prove it? Are
1: yeah. you going to get to a Super Bowl and shoot? They, they almost won it. I, I think that's the moment that Dak is chasing. Because yeah. let's be honest, Mike, it isn't just about Dak. It's when, the, when they made the move that, hey, Mike McCarthy is going to be the new head coach. Jason Garrett's out. We're going to go to Mike. All of this, the first thing Mike said, I think almost in his press conference, was how excited he was to work with Dak. And build that relationship they felt like they had their franchise quarterback how do we get them to the next level now right. how do we bring it there well they're on the precipice now but because of the way the league is gone there is no number two buy anymore there's, yeah. a, there's a wild card game against the number seven seed and you're going to have to go through the green bay packers you're going to have to potentially go through you know these other squads to make a run at this thing and every single one of these games is going to be a battle so I think yeah, I think it is a big test for for Dak Prescott seeing exactly okay everything you've done and the stats you've put together and the production that you've had with this team, three consecutive twelve win regular seasons. How far does that get you yeah. into January and February?
2: Yeah, the cowboy the Cowboys as a franchise not only have they not won a Super Bowl or not to, yeah not gotten to or won a Super Bowl since the 1995 season that was the last time they actually made it to the NFC championship game was back in 1995 that's where why you know all this pressure is uh is on Dallas now heading heading into this game it's going to be interesting to see how they respond how the crowd responds if uh, if the Packers, you know, take a lead in the third or fourth quarter, how does how does the crowd respond to that um, in, uh, in terms of uh, the, the home field advantage and whatnot?
1: That reminds me, I don't think I don't think I've covered a loss in Dallas yet. Because my first game was 2013, the Matt Flynn comeback.
2: Yeah, the pack the Packers have not lost in that stadium. That's wild. So the first I just Packers' first game in that stadium was Super Bowl 45. Yeah, yeah. But yes, then since then there was there was the Matt Flynn game, there was the playoff game in 16, two regular season games in 17 and 19. Uh, the Packers won. You know, the one with uh, Rodgers threw a late touchdown to Devontae Adams. Yeah um to win uh to win one of those Aaron Jones had, you know, like a four touchdown game down in uh down at AT&T Stadium. So um Packers as a franchise have a lot of uh a lot of historical success in that building. So yeah. we'll see what happens.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall and I'm CJ Toledano and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA 6 man of the year I think Kobe and everybody in are playing Kobe to win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of it, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella, point game. I remember you came out from crying, <laughs> crying tears, I mean, he was in a culture shock, and then he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OJ, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? he didn't need it? <laughs> <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Before we go, I want to get your thoughts on some of the other wild card games on what the NFL now regularly calls Super Wildcard Weekend with six games in all. First on the NFC side, the Rams are at Detroit. The storyline is obvious, uh, writes itself with Matthew Stafford, the former Lions quarterback, going back to Ford Field to try to ruin everything that the Lions have built in the 30 years of history that the Lions are working against to try to get um, a playoff victory. And then the other NFC game, Philadelphia at Tampa Bay, your thoughts on either of those.
1: De- Detroit and Rams is just the highest amount of drama that I think you could ever dial up for a while. Currently.
2: Fascinating to me. Not,
1: not hatred, but definitely drama. Yes. I, I 100%. think it's an, it's a trade that benefited both sides. I, you know, there's always these, always this idea of, Hey, who is the winner and a loser in a trade? I think it benefited the lions and it gave Matthew Stafford an opportunity to go win a super bowl and kind of add to his legacy. But now you're running into that crossroads together here. <laughs> yep. Stafford still feels like he has plenty left, and Detroit is finally in the playoffs once again, looking for that first playoff win. in, my goodness, my lifetime—I mean, 30, thirty-two years. Yeah, almost. Their, so, la-
2: their last playoff win was the 1991 postseason. Their last playoff home game was the 1993 postseason.
1: My goodness, which I do remember that one, but. Be that as it may, it'll be an excellent football game. Excited to see Matthew Stafford back there and see where that takes it. Can Philadelphia get itself back on the tracks here? Yeah, Uh, Tampa Bay by no means is a world beater, and if you leak out this early after having the season they had in the first half of the year.
2: Yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles were 10 and one yeah. after 11 games. It, this, this the, what's interesting to me about this matchup and that's the Monday night one is Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. The Eagles have stumbled toward the finish line. And quite frankly, since you know the Baker Mayfield 158.3 game at Lambeau Field, the Buccaneers haven't done a whole heck of yeah. a lot. I mean yeah, they ended up winning the division, you know they shut out the Carolina Panthers um, but but after the win over the Packers, they had a loss in there they they, they haven't really looked all that impressive. These are two teams that uh, that are not they neither one is really going into the playoffs on some sort of a big high note but, Somebody's got to win. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to win. And one of these two teams is going to be among the last four standing in the NFC heading yeah. into divisional weekend. So, um, On the AFC side, I think all of these are really intriguing matchups. Cleveland at Houston, Miami at Kansas City, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Your thoughts on any of those?
1: Miami and Kansas City is a huge game because the Dolphins really felt like they were Super Bowl contenders, but they just weren't able to get over that hump. I think the stat that the NFL put out, they're 1-5 against teams in the playoffs right now. Uh, Kansas City has stumbled. They've had their own issues, but still have Patrick Mahomes, who ultimately can be the
2: equalizer for them. Yeah, The 1 in that Miami 1-5 was Dallas, by the way. was yep. when when they were they hosted Dallas uh, a, a few weeks ago, and that was their that was their one victory for yeah, the playoff was, team.
1: And then they weren't able to double up on it, and had the issues against Baltimore. Right. Um, but th- that's going to be an excellent football game. Uh, Joe Flacco back in the postseason against Houston should be a what, lot of
2: fun. What a what a quarterback matchup. Joe Flacco, you know, off the couch to uh, lead Cleveland to the playoffs against the off the presumed offensive rookie of the year in C.J. Stroud. You talk about two you know, diametrically opposed quarterback situations, Flacco against Stroud. It's 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 pretty interesting. And
1: I'm happy for Stroud. I wish him a lot of success. I think he's gonna be fun to watch for years to come. I need Joe Flacco to win this. I need <laughs> Kansas City to win this. And I need Buffalo to take care of business. All right. And then we got Joe Flacco going back to Baltimore in an AFC divisional playoff game would be unbelievable there you go especially considering he wasn't playing football three months ago uh but hey and then I'm cheering on Pittsburgh too Pittsburgh got the Packers into the playoffs let's see if they can create some magic uh over in Orchard Park
2: yeah I think I think that Pittsburgh Buffalo matchup you know Josh Allen seemed to have the Buffalo Bills rolling then didn't play very well in the first half against Miami with the division title online the then they got it together in the second half and and they got the points that they needed to be able to win that game and Pittsburgh, you know, for, for everything with, you know, changing offensive coordinators and all this and Mason Rudolph has suddenly given that offense new life. It's like the Steelers, the Steelers are a completely different team and the, but then defensively they won't have TJ Watt because of uh because of the knee injury. I heard yeah. he's already been ruled out for that game. So that's a, that's a major injury. Yeah.
1: They're going up there. It's, it's a mighty, mighty climb for them. Uh, especially with the way Buffalo has played over the last five games, but still be a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited. It's a good it's a good weekend slate yeah. of games and and, and uh, the uh,
2: and Tyreek Hill revenge game at Arrowhead Stadium too yeah, with uh, with Tyreek Tyreek Hill going back to uh, to face the Kansas City Chiefs. The, lots of, lots of really really good storylines here on Wildcard. The Week. script
1: writers did a good job this year, Michael. <laughs> Let's see what they got written for us this weekend.
2: All right, with that, we are going to call it a wrap <laughs> on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, and of the big wildcard game down in Dallas. We will have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. Hey, guys.
0: Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. (laughs) I <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tend a girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
1: Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.